The Smoke Show is sponsored in part by HODL Services. If you're looking for a disc jockey, karaoke host, to videographer, our company can help. With over 17 years of experience, we would be happy to assist with your special event. You can contact us at 226-988-2895 or visit us at our website at hodlservices.vpweb.ca. That's H-O-D-D-L-E, Services. We look forward to hearing from you and helping with your special event. Turn it up and up and up. We want it louder. Up and up and up. Turn it up and up and up. We want it louder. Up and up and up. We're gonna get the music rocking. Gonna get the bodies jumping. Wanna get the party popping round here. We're gonna get the walls shaking with the noise we will be making. Gonna get the party popping round here. Welcome everybody to episode, what are we, 9, 10, I'm losing count here, of the Smoke Show on the FHN Network. I'm Jason Maslico, better known as Dark Guy. My co-host, as always, Ryan Drury. Uh, we got a fun, action-packed show lined up for you today. Uh, we got a lot of great topics to dive into. Uh, no, I'm definitely getting into a little bit of the uh, inconsistent officiating that's been happening in the NHL. Uh, questionable officiating, I guess, would be the best way to put it. Uh, we got our winner of our best seat in the house jersey chair giveaway. That's going to come up a little bit later in the show. Going to keep you in suspense and make you wait for that. Uh, but before we go too far, uh, I know, Ryan, uh, you lost somebody uh, very close to you, uh, very important to uh, everything you've, do- you're, you've done over at CKNX and MTO Sports. And uh, I'll just uh, let you take it away from here. Yeah, a bit of a somber start to the show and 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 our week. Our, our CKNX family lost Bill Brown, uh, one of the good guys, man. Bill uh, was a veteran sales guy at our radio stations, and uh, he was a really, really key guy in getting our OHA Cherry Bus Lines hockey broadcasts off the ground. Now, that started long before I got to CKNX back in like 2006 um, when my boss, Steve Sabern, who co-hosts MWO Sports with me and our friend Chris Clark. Uh, They launched it, and Bill was a massive contributor. He was right behind the idea. It was something new that the station had never done before, live sports broadcasting. And he, being a passionate sports guy, especially hockey, he got right to work, uh, hit the ground running, went out, got a lot of sponsors, so much local interest. And we're coming up. This would have been, I believe, our 15th or 16th year. uh, And and Bill was a giant contributor to getting that off the ground. um, just a super gracious guy, loved sports, and was so passionate about hockey. Uh, played, obviously, growing up, and then really you know, built roots here in Listowel, where I live. And uh, the amount of teams and great players this guy coached in, in this area, um, you know, it's uncountable. Junior C, Junior B, I mean... Uh, he took the wing of Ironman in 2014 to the semifinals of the provincial junior C tournament, uh, losing to Essex. Uh, you know, that, that was the year they had probably the best junior C player of all time. In my opinion, Aaron Armstrong, who went on to start with the Ryerson Rams 
on that team. I mean, he, he coached the Exeter Hawks, the King Carden Bulldogs, the Walkerton Hawks. Like any time that someone called Brownie up and needed him to coach or general manager scout, he, he, he would do it. Even if he was so busy, he would do it. He'd give everybody at the rink the time of day. Um, big baseball fan as well. Uh, but, the, you know, some of the things I'll always remember about Brownie is just how passionate he was about hockey, how much he cared about all the players and the staff that were involved, and how much he really cared about CKNX, somewhere I've been proud to work for over five years now. And, um, you know, on MWO Sports this coming Friday on CKNX, we will be dedicating the show to Bill. We're going to be talking with Aaron Armstrong and, and a few other people that he crossed paths with throughout the year. He was actually a scout uh, with the multiple uh, – Memorial Cup winning Windsor Spitfires. He was on Warren Reichel's scouting staff with Brian Teekle. And, um, you know, he, he could do it all. The, the amount of people he knew and, and the passion that he had. Unfortunately, losing a four-year battle with cancer, he gave it everything he had, just like he did with everything. Um, you know, cancer, it, it just sucks, man. And um, even when he was sick, um, I, I know uh, King uh, best seat in the house. Uh, we will be doing the giveaway a little bit later today uh, in the show. Obviously, got to make you guys uh, tune in and watch and, and sit on pins and needles, get those numbers up. <laughs> That's a teaser. That's a teaser. <laughs> so that announcement's going to be coming a little bit later. Uh, I'm a little distraught. Leafs don't play until Thursday. Uh, it's going to be a long wait here. But they had a, a pretty good showing as as the week went on. A couple big W's, got the extra point uh, uh, pulled out the extra point against Edmonton the other night. Uh, I need to get into the officiating right away, though. Yes, yeah. Go go ahead, man. This is your this is your platform to get on the officials who have been. I feel like we say this every year. So bad they, uh, but this year in particular, it's just. I don't know if it was you know the time off. They're a little rusty as well. I I don't know. And you would think as technology's gotten better that they would try out some new things to try and help these guys out. Lots of people have talked about the official up top with an earpiece like they're doing in soccer now. I don't know what the answer is, but the officiating has been really bad. Okay, so over the last couple of years on my social media, I've, I've been vocal and, and more often than not criticizing the officiating in the NHL. For a long time, I had a theory that I really kind of kept to myself because you never really want to throw these conspiracy theories out there. But I am more and more convinced there is an agenda coming down from the top uh, to keep games close. And I, the more I see it... I, Something I've always, I've always thought in my life is a coincidence is a coincidence until it's not a coincidence anymore. And the amount of times I've been watching a game, and I'm not just talking Maple Leafs here because it's easy for me to sound like a homer and say, oh, my team didn't get the call. But the more and more I watch games on a whole, it doesn't matter. Like It seems when a team is controlling the play, when, when you take a game like the, the Leafs, uh, at Edmonton the other night, uh, the Leafs were, were up by two goals. Connor McDavid is your poster boy of, of the league. 
and the Leafs are making him a non-factor. They couldn't get anything generated five on five. And that's a testament to, you know, the Leafs playing good. Maybe them, the Oilers having a bad night. But the bottom line is that game is a complete one-sided game. Then all of a sudden, four, and I, I, I mean, count them, four in a row penalties against the Leafs, every single one of them was a complete and utter phantom call. Like, it's just, at what point in time do you – have to look at it and say, this is game management coming from upstairs, cut and dry. And it, it's happened to the Montreal Canadiens. It, it's happened to the, the Winnipeg Jets. It, it's happened to everybody. So I'm not just saying this is Toronto, but I, I'm almost to the point where I'm literally convinced that there is a game management plan. I'm not saying there's a fix in. I'm not saying that the calls are going to rig the Stanley Cup. But from a competitive nature, an entertainment factor for the NHL, for viewership, I, I'm starting to truly believe there is an agenda to use penalties or power plays to manage games and try to keep them close. Do I sound crazy here? Uh, no, I mean, it, you sound like a sports fan. Like it, It's one of those things where I think <sighs> – yeah, it's hard to say. I I don't I don't want to go so far as to say that the league you know has a mandate to keep games close necessarily, but I I do agree that there is an agenda in a sense for referees to call games a certain way. Um I think that the way referees call games in the NHL is very confusing to me. And we, we talk about this every year when the playoffs roll around. There's this notion that the playoffs, it's it's a more physical game. It gets grittier and all that. And of course, you're you're in the big dance. Guys are going to be going to the wall, you, you would think, every night. And so the game is called a little differently. But I mean, there are penalties that just are, you know, aren't penalties that get called. And then there are penalties that are absolutely are penalties that don't get called in the in the spirit of the battle i mean you know you'll you'll hear announcers often say boy they're letting them battle tonight and it's just like well, but that was a hook though that has nothing to do with battling like it, it's so confusing to me where and i've seen it in and i watch them more than any other team capitals i can't believe the amount of power plays that the caps don't get so far this year uh it, some of those buffalo games like one power play capital six power plays for the buffalo sabers it, it's so exactly bizarre my, that's exactly my point though you take a team who is known over the last decade to be an, an offensive juggernaut the washington capitals score at will most of the time and they're playing the buffalo sabers can't how, get a power play how from an how, from an entertainment standpoint, are you going to keep that game close? You're going, to, you're going to give a team that might not have as much offensive firepower a whole bunch of extra chances on the power play. So when, when, you, say, when you say you don't think there's a mandate, like it's one of two things, that every single referee in the NHL is inept and, and not up to par to referee the best league in the world and they need to make a change, or there's something else going on. You look at two of the calls against the Leafs the other night, uh, the Kerfoot calls it. The, the Kerfoot one was really, really bad. It's so one of the worst calls I've ever seen, ever. Well, that's it, right? So either, either 
Edmonton couldn't believe that they were getting a power play. If you look at the tape at the bench, a bunch of them were confused when the like some of them thought Edmonton was getting a penalty for too many men because they didn't understand why the whistle went. That's how bad the call was. The team was getting it, the what, power what, play was like, oh, really? Okay. I, I, was, I was getting a kick out of it on social media, on my Twitter. When you have two, two fan bases of opposing teams that are playing against each other, both agreeing that that wasn't a penalty <laughs> on, on multiple occasions, like, you know there's something wrong. When, when I, I had Oilers fans like livid because they were like, we haven't been able to generate anything five on five. So we get a, a phantom five on three, like both calls for that five on three were garbage. Oh <laughs> yeah. Especially, so, especially the, the slash. I mean, I think it was Ray Ferraro said if he had a pool noodle in his hand, he wouldn't have been able to slash him any, any softer than he did. <laughs> it was such a bad call. Um, overall, like I think that, I think that a lot of NHL refs are really good at their job, but the the thing is though, for every Wes McCauley, there are like, I don't want to name guys. I was going really hard at a guy on Twitter the other day and, you know, I should probably take it easy, but I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, I'll, I'll just say his name. Francois St. Laurent might be the worst official in the NHL. I bet he's a great guy. Like I'm not trying to crap on him. I just personally, he he can comment on my bad broadcasting. Like it, it, all's fair, all's fair in love and war. Here's I'm gonna fire a shot across his bow. I think he's a horrific NHL referee. Um, and I'm just confused as to you know the point of of rules in the third period, especially where this notion of well they're gonna let them battle because I think that there's a mandate. From, from Stephen Walkham, the head of NHL officiating, who I thought personally was a horrific referee when he was working. And that's just my opinion. I, think, I, I bet he's probably a great guy. I thought he was terrible at his job when he was an on-ice official. And I think he's even worse at his job now because NHL officiating has been getting the crap kicked out of it worse than I've ever seen in my lifetime. And of course, social media probably plays a factor in that. But, you know, regardless of that, it is getting slammed constantly. And when you've got, you know, analysts that are really well-respected, like Ray Ferraro, the guys on Overdrive, guys on Sportsnet, former players going, this is really bad. And I don't understand why they do X, Y, and Z. Then it's it lends credence to the complaints of fans because if it, it's one thing for, you know, Leaf fans or Oiler fans or Montreal fans to go, Oh, that referee screwed us and blah, blah. But when analysts go, I don't understand what's going on here. Then it, it really lends credence to the argument. And I don't know what the solution is, whether it's, we all know the NHL is cheap and they're the last professional sports league to ever move on anything sensible. Right. So they'll probably do this in 10 years, but soccer, and I don't, I don't mean to, you know, bring this up because it's had a rocky start to its implementation they have this thing called var now video assistant referee where the referee has a earpiece in and if a clear foul was missed or the ref calls say a, a red card or a penalty and and 
it's not deemed clear, he can go to the video assistant referee and they can get in his ear and say, come have a look at this. And he'll go over to the monitor like they do in the NFL on challenge plays and have another look from all the different camera angles. Now, I know the NHL's introduced a new review on five-minute majors and I believe double minor high sticking calls. They can they can go and review them. And, and I know we don't want more review. It slows the game down. I don't want a referee to have to go to the penalty box every time a phantom hook happens. But just help help them out a little bit here. I don't know what the solution is at the end of the day, but it would be nice to see some more consistency in terms of if that's a hook in the first, it better be a hook in the third with two minutes left because I don't want to hear any more about the battle. Getting your stick up in a guy and chicken-winging him is not the battle. That's not the battle. It isn't. And so the trips, all of it, there's been a lot of talk about the cross-checking, the incessant cross-checking from defensemen. That's got to get called. A couple years ago, Johnny Goudreau had his finger broken by Eric Stahl, and they were like, we're going to start calling slashes to the hands. Apparently not anymore. That's gone now. Ovechkin got his wrist slashed the other night against Boston. They'll probably do it again because they can get away with it. And the players it has to be frustrating for because – they don't know from shift to shift what the calls are going to be. It, I don't know what the solution here is, but they have to change the way referees are looking at some of these games. I, I just, the rule book gets thrown out too often and it, it just doesn't make sense. And it shouldn't be, it shouldn't matter what the score is. If it's nine, nothing. And a guy on the, on the, team losing nine nothing grabs a guy on a blatant breakaway like penalty shots are dead like can you remember the last time a star player had a penalty shot when was the last time like Connor mcdavid should have 12 penalty shots a year and and he never gets called because referees are afraid to make calls late in games especially that, that will make it look like they're impacting the game. But that's an oxymoron, Jason, because by not calling the calls, they're actually impacting the game more than if they just called it by the rule book. I mean, I don't know what the answer is either, and, and I agree with you. I don't want to be slowing the game down. I don't want lengthy reviews, but it's just as a, as a fan you know you talk about how frustrating it must be for the fa- for for the players while looking at it from a fan's point of view it's it it's it's sickening it's you're you're trying to watch two teams battle and you want the better team to win i tune in to see austin matthews mitch marner william nylander frederick anderson morgan riley i tune in to see leon dreisaitl uh, Connor McDavid, Darnell Nurse, Nugent Hopkins. I turn in to tune in to see Stamkos, Suzuki, you name it. I didn't tune in to see the Stripes or, no. or, or watch them do their announcements of phantom calls and uh, make their little jokes at the penalty box while they're making the call. It's like, you know what? I don't know what the answer is either, but the NHL has co- uh, competition committees that meet all the time uh, at, at some point in time for the integrity of the league, they need to do something. And that's kind of where I guess I can leave it. Yeah, it, it's it's a tough thing to figure out. Let's say this as well, 
um, hockey is easily the hardest sport to officiate. Um, I'd, I'd argue any fan into the ground over that. It is absolutely bar none the hardest sport to officiate because A, a it's insanely fast, but, but B, you add the element of the physicality because physicality is allowed in the sport. And so now we've seen so much gray area ever since the, and I, and it's, if you want to put it solely on one guy, it's Matt Cook's fault. It is because he was the guy going East West, taking people's heads off and social media was around. I mean, we talked last week a bit, I think it was about Scott Stevens and some of his antics, but it was legal back then. Yeah. Matt Cook was the guy that really spearheaded this whole uh, over-reviewing of body checks now. I used to really enjoy a big body check. Now I can't even really enjoy it because I'm like, is that going to be a suspension because he hit him really hard? And now we've gotta, I've got to wait to look at four different camera angles to see if he got a little bit of the head. And also the NHL rules on head on headshots are very weird i guess i'll say because you can still technically hit somebody in the head as long as it's not the principal point of contact and we saw a weird thing with dylan dubay the other night on on yesperi kakaniemi um if you want my opinion on that me personally i thought it was a clean hit yeah. and cock because and and that's the the nhl department of player safety factors into this conversation jason and we have had numerous conversations at length about how crap they are they that department is useless you, they you they represent they represent nothing but ineptitude to me uh and through the numerous people even when Brendan Shanahan was doing it at least he put you know videos out all the time they are the most useless um department in pro sports they never get it right hardly ever they they say we want to get headshots out of the game you've got guys i talked about this a couple weeks ago the guys getting hit from behind should be an automatic five game uh we saw it again the other night leo komarov killed lars eller from behind he got a five minute major that's not enough i'm sick of people going well he missed the rest of the game that was in like the second period it's not enough suspend these guys the hits from behind, we've seen it numerous times. Kyle Connor, there was a Montreal player, uh, Gallagher hit somebody the other night. It was a nurse a couple weeks ago. Suspend these guys. It's a stupid play. Tom Wilson's on my favorite team. He's been suspended numerous times, and rightly so. He yeah. should have been suspended. I'd have suspended him longer. I'm um, sick and tired of the inconsistency of the Department of Player Safety. Uh, they represent nothing to me. They represent nothing to me. Well, when you say, you know, you know, you were looking at, uh, at Matt Cook as one of the guys that was solely responsible for a lot of this change, uh, you, you took the words right out of my mouth when I was going to point a little bit to uh, the Department of Player Safety and, and their, like you said, ineptitude, uh, lack of consistency, uh, and perhaps lack of understanding themselves as to what they're trying to say or what the rules are. And, and I think that kind of trickles down to maybe the refs trying to control as much more as they can on ice uh, perhaps to avoid some of these scenarios. But when you come down to talking about automatic suspensions, I've had a theory and I, and I threw it around when we were uh, uh, on the dark guy show on TSN 1050. And, and I still stand by it. I know there's some, some kinks to my theory or my plan, 
because there's ways to manipulate, you know, taking players out of the game. So it, it's not perfect, and it, it'll re- require some refinement. However, if you injure a player with an illegal check, whether it be from behind to the head, here's a simple thing. Bar minimum, your suspension is as long as that player is out. So if you if you catch somebody in the trolley tracks and your principal point of contact is the head, and, and you've been gunning, you were gunning for the head from the blue line for 10 strides, and you make contact, it's clear as day, you try to injure that player. You take Sidney Crosby out and he misses three months because of the concussion you give him, your penalty should equal that. It shouldn't be in the hands of a, a three-game suspension, a decision of the player's safety. I, I think if you can figure out a way to make that, that as perfect as possible, which, which would be difficult, that is a solution that you will start to eliminate some of these checks from behind. You run a guy and you hit him from the numbers and he misses a month because of a neck injury or whatever, then you're, you're looking at a month. You don't even talk about your reinstatement until that player is back on the ice and healthy. And then at that point in time, player safety can determine whether you, you require more supplementary discipline or was time served enough. I know it's, yeah. it's a troubled theory, but it's one that I think would work. It's, a, it, it's about as harsh as it could get. It's a slippery slope, though, too, because the only issue would be that I like my suggestion that Kyle Connor hit and even the Lars Eller hit that I just referenced. And by the way, Eller still hasn't played. It's unbelievable. Komarov didn't get suspended for that. The who was it that hit Connor from behind? It was Noah Hannafin. Connor came back. I think he missed a game. I'm not sure on that, but he's back playing now. I don't know that Hannafin should only have been out for one game in that scenario. I think it should be automatically five for hitting guys from behind. So minimum, minimum, you are out as long. Right. And then once that player returns and you are now eligible, now it's in the hands of the Department of Player Safety. So if you land base to the guy and, and by the grace of God or whoever you pray to, whatever your deity is, if, if that player is back in, in one game or doesn't miss any time, now it's solely in the hands of the, the Department of Player Safety. Now you have to do a job and determine what more, what more does this player deserve. But if a guy misses three months and in turn I have to miss three months, perhaps my lesson has been learned and I won't require further discipline. However, if the player doesn't miss any time or only misses a game – that's when the NHL player department steps in and says, you know what? You only miss one game, but your suspension is six. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope. Um, and it's a conversation that's been had a lot by fans over the years. And I've heard analysts talk about it too, uh, especially when Crosby was hurt. Um, that was when it really you know, exploded. Uh, the whole conversation around, well, if he's out for this long, but then, you know, Sid was out a year, a couple different guys hit him. I don't know if it's necessarily fair. And really at the end of the day, the players association will never let that happen. What is strange about this conversation though, and I know we, we can move on if you want after this, what is strange about this conversation is that, you know, people will say, well, it's not, it's not fair to suspend guys for that long or, They'll say, if a guy's suspended, you know, he loses salary, obviously, for those games. 
which of course they should. Uh, but you can't suspend guys for, for too long because they'll have to sacrifice salary and this and that. And, and the Players Association all has an arbitrator that will fight suspension cases, yeah. and, and which is weird because you know they're trying to protect the guy that committed the the rule breaking committed the foul and nothing's you know really being done for the guy that got hurt and it's so strange and people will go oh well you can't suspend this guy for for that long because they'll have to sacrifice x amount of salary well you know this is a professional athlete like what are the rules for if i break rules at work and get suspended i have to sacrifice salary too you know I've never been suspended. I'll just, just say that. <laughs> just, but, for, just to clarify. Just to clarify. So I don't know what that's like. But if a regular joke, if you or I get suspended at work, you know, we're not, we're sacrificing salary. Why should this millionaire athlete not be sacrificing salary? And the fact of the matter is this if guys that play dirty are consistently getting suspended, g- good. Good then then less of them will be in the NHL would be the logic there, correct? If somebody is constant, and, and I brought up Tom Wilson a couple minutes ago, there's a guy that was very on the verge of that. That might sound a little overdramatic, but when he got that 20-game suspension, was it 20 or 25? I can't remember, and then it got reduced to six, 16. Um no, he got 20, it was reduced to 14, and he had already served 16, so he came back and got reimbursed for the two extra games. That's what it was. Like, if this guy did something like that again, I believe it was the Sunquist that got him that 20-game suspension in the preseason, he'd be very on the verge of, you know, being suspended a year. Well, and that's more, even. Tom Wilson... Uh, for all intents and purposes, and, and hopefully he doesn't go out and prove me wrong in the very near future. I'm so too. He's changed the way he's played the game without losing his physical edge. Hey, he still hits people. Absolutely. Still so, hits people all the time. You, you take you take a guy that I love to hate on because, well, it's so easy and he makes it easy on me. Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand sure. has had multiple, multiple offenses and has gotten a slap on the wrist time and time and time again. So because Tom Wilson doesn't carry the star, I guess, notoriety or name that, that Brad Marchand does, because the Capitals are, are owned by T- Ted Leonisis and not Jeremy Jacobs, he gets away with it. Yeah, I, I don't know if that point is necessarily fair because Ted Leonisis is pretty tight with old Gary. Like Jer- <laughs> Jeremy Jacobs is the main man. I believe he is still the head of the GM's association, if I'm not mistaken. And I know that his kids have basically taken over sole ownership for the most part of of running the Boston Bruins. But he, everyone knows, is Gary Bettman's right-hand guy. And there, yeah, there's always been that whole, you know, little credence of the Bruins get away with a little more because Jeremy Jacobs is writing Gary's ear. Let's not forget when, when, when Colin Campbell had his son playing for the Bruins as well, right? So, <sighs> well, and, and, you know, Colin, Colin Campbell, by all accounts, is a super, you know, good guy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know how much goes into it. And, of course, it all sounds like wild conspiracy theories. But, uh, you know, I'll say, I'll say this. It just comes back down to the inconsistency. 
Tom, like Tom Wilson, and you know, I don't ever want to sound like a homer. This guy is an NHL player. He's going to score 20 goals. He's already got nine points, I think, this year. Like He is an insanely effective player. He won a Stanley Cup, too. I don't know if you all saw that uh, playing on the top line. But, uh, yeah, it, it happened, buddy. And I agreed with every suspension he got. It yeah. was It was he needed to learn to rein it in and throw big hits at the right time. You don't need to go out in the second period and take Zach Aston Reese's head off or Sunquist. But he has learned, and hopefully he stays that way, but he's an extremely effective player. Brad Marchand is a superstar player in terms of production and his skill level. When they didn't suspend him for licking people, like I lost whatever small shred of respect I had left for all the people working in the Department of Player Safety and the league disciplinary committee, whatever. I lost it all because he did it once and they were like, hey, don't do that again. Then he did it again like two weeks later in the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. He licked Ryan McDonough. uh, Hello, five games. How is this not like how did he escape suspension? That pissed me off so much. It's a joke, you know, what guys will get away with. And I I I get that sport and and work are two different things. In hockey you can fight, it's a 5 minute penalty. I get it. You can't you can't go to work and yeah, yeah. you had a disagreement with. But yeah. can can you imagine tomorrow you walk into walking to work at, at I think you said you got to be in at what six o'clock in the morning tomorrow. Four a.m. Four a.m. Tomorrow you walk into the office and the, the first person you see, you just lick them on the cheek. I I'd, I'd be I'd be absolutely suspended, if not potentially fired, which would be, be a fired. little overboard, I guess. But I, I think mean, you'd be fired on the spot. Well, it'd be my first offense, but I mean, <laughs> but I mean, but again, though, I mean, they, Brad Marchand did a first offense, and all they did, they should have because the second time they did fine him, they fined him. He should have been fined the first time yeah. and then suspended. It's a joke that he, you know, didn't miss any games for that. It was disgusting. I don't know. I, you know, I don't mean to rag on Brad Marchand constantly, although I know you could do that for the whole show, but. <laughs> Really, at the end so of the day, I need I'd... to start a spinoff. Huh. Of I hate Brad Marchand show. That that could be an easy two hours every night. March against Marchand. There's <laughs> there's your title right there, dude. I'm an idea machine. Yeah, it, at the end of the day, it would be nice if they could get things a little more consistent. I don't understand the mentality of refing sometimes in a lot of sports where it's like, well, it's late in the game and they're battling, so I can't call that defensive pass interference. It's like, huh. ask New Orleans Saints fans how they feel about late game refereeing. <laughs> well, on, on the controversial topic scenario, we might as well stick with that. Um, Tony D'Angelo has officially played <laughs> his last game for the New York Rangers. Uh, albeit to go as far as I say, I think he's played his last game in the NHL. Do you think so? Do you think, he, yeah, you think so? You don't Listen, think a team's going to take a flyer on him? How how could how could you at this point in time? With all with all the reports that are coming out of 
New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of them have been denied. Some of them have not. How could how could you, as as uh, a responsible general manager, look at this guy and say, you know what? Ah, he flamed out in in Tampa. He had all the potential in the world. Uh, New York just dumped him, put him on waivers. Nobody wanted him. At what point in time you have to ask yourself how much of these stories are true, and am I willing to gamble on overthrowing the the chemistry I have in my room to just to bring a player that has some talent in? Um, I think in today's day and age, with you know trying to move towards a a happier place in the game where uh, you know hockey is for everybody is. Uh, which uh, which it isn't. Uh, t- well, and that's it. Frank. So, so <laughs> I, like... I, I just, I personally, I don't think uh, there's a GM out there uh, that that are that would take on that negative publicity right now and possibly overthrow their dressing room. Like, I don't know how much of the stories you've heard. Uh, I will share one. I will not re- 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 reveal my source, but this is a a word for word quote. Okay. Uh, regarding the the incident that happened with uh, uh, George Eve and Chris Kreider. Yeah. This is is not confirmed. Um, This is purely hearsay. I want to be very clear about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm not stating this to say this is the absolute fact. This is what I've heard. Right. Uh, I guess George Eve told D'Angelo, Maybe if you didn't eat so much gourd, uh, mortadella and gabagool, you wouldn't be fat enough to screen your own goalie. D'Angelo uh, told Georgieve he shouldn't be allowed in the country. Okay. Uh, to play in the league. Uh, called him an illegal alien. That's when Chris Kreider stepped in. Uh, and, he has a work uh, visa. <laughs> Tony, Tony started chirping Chris Kreider. Uh, uh, with a with the comment uh, "blue lines matter" in reference to Kreider going offside uh, on a play uh, a game earlier, uh, to which point in time Kreider turned around and punched him up. Yeah, so we we've been hearing a lot of things, you know, out of there. What what we do know is that there was an altercation between D'Angelo Gorgiev and Chris Kreider where Chris Kreider punched him in the face. That is irrefutable fact at this point. We know that that happened. There are a ton of stories flying around. That's a new, I haven't heard that one. Uh, you know, there are a lot of stories flying around about the way you know, he treated Ke'Andre Miller. Apparently, uh, a source within the Rangers came out today and said that that's not true and it's overblown. They had a normal teammate relationship is what the quote was. Who knows if that's true? There's this whole thing going on in the video of Ke'Andre Miller scoring his first goal and D'Angelo gets the puck and people are accusing him of stealing his first goal puck. Apparently, the Rangers have refuted that as well and that the puck is out getting framed for Miller. So, um, I, I, Sorry to cut you off. On that yeah. one right there, uh, people were saying, like, how could, how could, uh, how, how could he, D'Angelo, keep that puck? Well, if you look, the goal happened with, like, 6.1 seconds left in the period. Mm-hmm. So it would have been very easy for, for uh, Mr. D'Angelo to keep that puck, or uh, take it off the ice, go straight into the dressing room with it. I get that the New York Rangers have denied that claim. but They said he this. gave it to the equipment manager. Answer me this. 
why did why has there not been okay i'm gonna stop i don't doubt that the new york rangers have the puck now mm-hmm. i don't doubt that they have the puck now and that it might be out getting framed now mm-hmm. what i don't understand is if if nothing fishy happened how come there was never the after game picture with miller with his puck Every single NHL player gets that honor and that, 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 that ability to have that proud moment. Every single one, win or lose. Austin Matthews had his four goals. Uh, the least lost that game. Mm-hmm. But he still had his picture with his four pucks. It happens for every player. It's, it's a rite of passage. Like um, in your first game, you get to do the lap with nobody on the ice and everybody comes out. I find it absolutely Incredibly unbelievable that if the New York Rangers had that puck, they didn't take that picture and put that picture up. Yeah, so it's... I don't, I don't want to say I think he stole the puck, but there has to be a reason why uh, Miller never got the opportunity to have that 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 picture taken. Was it because D'Angelo took the puck and maybe didn't give it back till the next day or a couple days later? I believe it's possible. There's no other explanation for me. I believe it's possible. I'll say this. I I cannot confirm that he did it. Um, the Rangers denied that he did it. Would I be surprised to learn he did? No. Uh, I'll say this, though. I know a lot of Rangers fans were saying this on, on Twitter because th- that was the first thing people were saying. Well, how come they didn't tweet out a picture of him with the puck? Apparently, I, I, I think Philip Heedle did scored his first goal, and they didn't get a picture with him either. I don't know what, why, but there were Rangers fans saying that. Really, it, it still looks fishy, though. It looks weird, and it just looks even worse because in the video of the goal, it's D'Angelo collecting the puck. So, of course, he's not getting the benefit of doubt from anybody. Uh, it, it's strange, though. He... Because we had that situation with the Arizona Coyotes, remember? Their first pick from last year's draft, who they picked in the fourth round, that kid with the bullying incident. Yeah. I mean, I and for the life of me, I can't remember his name, and I shouldn't because that kid doesn't deserve for anybody to remember his name. But uh, D'Angelo is interesting to me because... There were a lot of people, you know, he's got a following, I guess. He started a pretty controversial political view podcast. And here's what I'll say, you know, that the New York Rangers need to address. And I believe it's John Davidson still uh, and their general manager. They need to come out and make some sort of, you know, blanket statement here on the player because they, you know, they featured Tony D'Angelo in tons of promotional material. They even at one point, I'm pretty sure, promoted that he was, doing this podcast then he leaves twitter because of all the trump stuff which i don't want to get into i don't care about politics this is a sports show i don't care um and then he's on that parlor app he's got very extreme right-wing views um again we can't corroborate that story you were told but it wouldn't shock me to learn it was true that he called gorgiev an illegal alien which is the stupidest thing to get out of the country (laughs) which is the stupidest thing i've ever heard uh because he's a talented player and he's absolutely allowed to be in the country um 
it's this is a weird case though, right? Because he had 53 points last year in 68 games. I'll say this, and I mean I, this is an opinion that a lot of people share. He is horrific defensively. Like he is one of the easiest defensemen to beat one on one in the NHL. From his blue line back, he is a D minus player. He's horrible. He's very talented offensively. Obviously, I don't. I wouldn't support it. I wouldn't want the Washington Capitals to sign him. I'll say that. Would a team eventually, after some water, settle like an Ottawa that is bereft of talent, give him a chance? I don't know. I personally think that given the climate we're in and the fact that apparently he's just not a very good person or teammate, which is... In hockey circles, you know, we had Steve Dangle on a few weeks ago, and and he said, you know, when somebody we, when we were talking about Mike Babcock, when someone says you're a bad guy, he's a bad guy. That's a death knell for a hockey player or hockey person. D'Angelo, by all accounts, a bad guy. Let's not re- let's not forget this guy was suspended in junior and sanctioned by his own team for using a slur against a teammate. Yeah, a teammate. I wouldn't want to be friends with this guy. I wouldn't want to be on the same bench with this guy. I wouldn't want to share a hotel room with this guy. For those reasons, I agree that I think he's done and will probably be in Russia next week. But I just, someone might take a swing at him. And of course, I agree, political opinions aside, you can't cut someone and send them to waivers for having extreme political views. It's not awesome, but that's not a reason to cut somebody. There's the debate with the baseball hall of fame and Kurt Schilling right now, right? I think Kurt Schilling should be in the hall of fame because of what he did on the field. What he did on the uh, outside the field years later is not good. He should be in the hall of fame. You can't start saying, Oh, well, because this guy says mean things and has bad political views, you know, compared to the Baseball Writers Association of America, that he can't be in the Hall of Fame. I I would say the same thing about Tony D'Angelo, but I'm not going to fault any organization for not wanting to bring this guy into their line. Remember, I believe it was last year, my Washington Capitals cut Brandon Leipzig for very not great uh, leaked snap chats i think it was uh with friends of his where he was berating tanner pearson's wife and he was crapping all over his teammates and everything i still don't think it's right that those were leaked but they are now and you just have to deal with what's in front of you and the capitals rightly got rid of him because obviously he's a bad teammate i don't think tony d'angelo should be on a team with high-class professional players trying to win at the highest level, I think there's a small chance that he's not quite done in the NHL, though. A small chance. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, it's, it's funny because I was talking privately with a group of friends last night, and uh, they were asking my opinion as to did I think he was done. The only team that came to mind – when I thought of a team that might take a chance on them, the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, they were the first team that came to mind for me, too. They are the only team that came to mind for me. Um, and do I do I believe that even Ottawa would go that far 
No, I don't. Uh, I was about to start rhyming off his his list of things that we know are, are confirmed, and I was going to start with the junior suspension. Um, re- met multiple reports out of, of him being a, a, a horrible bad guy, <laughs> uh, a horrible teammate, is is why Tampa Bay gave up on him so quickly. Now, yeah. yep. Now he's been. Uh, he proved that he could be an offensive contributor to a team with 53 points last year and just over 60 games. So there is some value as, as a offensive puck moving defenseman. Purely as a player. Yes. Yeah. But everything else that's coming out, you you start, it, it all just starts piling it up from his suspension and junior Tampa Bay, letting him go. Starting a podcast while you are a professional athlete screams one thing to me. You think your name is more important than the jersey on the crest. I don't totally agree with that, Jason, simply because, you know, we constantly ask athletes to be more forthcoming and give us more, and especially hockey players who are the most vanilla athletes. I don't have a problem with that as long as you perform. The nature of his show is not great, sure. If you want to go on to help educate hockey fans, talk about the Rangers, do like a blue line podcast. That's well, different. That's different. What he did was selfish, and it was all about Tony D'Angelo, not the New York Rangers or, or the NHL. I agree with that. I, I definitely agree with that because there are a lot of basketball players and baseball players that uh, – who, who is it uh, – former Raptor that won the title with him, Danny Green. Danny Green hosts a really, really popular podcast where he has other players on. Like, I have no problem with that. And if you're going to do podcasts and stuff, just, you know, I don't care what athletes do outside of the arena as long as they play hard and earn their contract and, and care about the, the status that they have and they perform to that expected level. Um, I'll, like, I'll say this, the Washington Capitals, they launched a podcast last year I, I believe it's called Between Two Blue Lines, and it's hosted by Garnet Hathaway. Oh, who is the other? Nick Dowd and one other guy. It's It actually might just be the two of them, but they have like their teammates on. like They had Ovi on, and it's awesome. And the whole thing is just about the team, uh, their recent games, what guys get up to on the road. Like It's a fun little podcast, right? Yeah, that's acceptable. The team, the team came to them and asked them to do it as part of the team's online content, uh, which is fine. That's different. But yeah, here's the thing. Really what it boils down to for me is if this, if this is, you know, back in the nineties or something, let's say social media is around, there's podcasts in the nineties, just apply it to this time. If this is like Brian Leach doing this, there's not a chance the New York Rangers cut him. You know what I mean? There is a level that you can be at, and a lot of people don't agree with it, but we see it in the NFL. I don't need to bring up names. We all know numerous cases who I'm talking about. Major League Baseball now with Randy Rosarena, some pretty serious accusations, domestic violence and the like, things that are not very good. Randy Rosarena as an example off the top of my head, much like Brian Leach in my initial example, the Tampa Bay Rays aren't cutting Randy Rosarena because Randy Rosarena is arguably now, especially the best player on their team. So if you're Tony D'Angelo, and here's an even better 
Current example, if this is Artemi Panarin, there's not a chance he's getting cut. If you're going to be an outspoken, outlandish, uh, I would say wildly politically opinionated person, you in this profession, you better make sure that you are like the tip, tip, top of performers in in whatever league you're in. Let's let's look at a guy like James Harden who recently got traded in the NBA. His lifestyle is pretty out there. This guy's hanging out in strip clubs, mucking wings before games, but James Harden drops 45 every night. And no one complains. It's what he does, Jason. That's what he does. This guy <laughs> When, James Harden when you said he's in strip clubs mucking things. I didn't think you were going with wings. Oh, he, well, <laughs> hey, let's keep it PG here. He, James Harden is in strip clubs so much, Jason, that at the biggest strip club in Houston, his jersey's in the rafters. <laughs> That's not a lie. It's real. You can Google pictures of it. But yeah. James Harden drops 45 every night. And so... The Houston Rockets and now the Brooklyn Nets put up with that behavior. Now, I'm not saying that Brian Leach or Panarin or or Harden or whoever, if you go and haul off and, well, he didn't punch a teammate, but you start berating a teammate, it's highly likely you end up getting traded. But if you're going to act like a complete dick consistently throughout your career and treat people allegedly very well not allegedly he was suspended in junior he racially abused a teammate yeah a teammate and hasn't learned his lesson we're talking we're talking six years later oh yeah no longer have the excuse that you you were a young kid you didn't know what you were doing like we're, we're talking this kid has had this this guy this man has had lots of time to learn from his mistakes lots of time to have some self reflection look at the mirror and say listen I want to be a better human being. And, and he's never done that. Um, that's why I'm out of it. Like, he, he should be done. This is – I'm not about the cancel culture where, you know, you jump on everybody for every little thing. But this isn't a little thing. This is, this is racism in the NHL. Yeah. Here, here's, here's where it, it ends for me. It's just, like you said, consistent repeated behavior. This guy is impossible for teammates to be around, allegedly. And, and now, I mean, how, do, how can you go back in the dressing room? Much like Brandon Leipzig last year with the Capitals, how were the Capitals ever expecting him to come back into that locker room and look teammates in the eye? You know, Garnet Hathaway probably would have punched him. Yeah. And he would have deserved it. And so for the Rangers, you can't expect this guy to come back in a locker room and sit on the bench and get in the trenches with Chris Kreider and Alexander Gorgiev and Artemi Panarin and Philip Hedl and K. Andre Miller. I'm sorry. It's, I think it's over for him too. And like I said, you can be controversial. You can be outspoken. You can love Donald Trump. Bobby Orr endorsed Donald Trump. They're not going to yank him out of the Hall of Fame. You can follow a certain political party. I, I don't know if you know this, Jason. I really love Alex Ovechkin. He makes me really happy. He is Alex Ovechkin, Yevgeny no Malkin. 
all those, most of those big Russian guys, Kovalchuk loved him too. They are all like staunch supporters of Vladimir Putin, who is one of the most despicable human beings of all time. Do I love that Ovi supports him? No, I do not. I think, to be fair, I think it's kind of forced upon him because of his parents. We're not going to dig into that. Yeah. But it's not, it's not great that, you know, my favorite player loves Vladimir Putin or in the very least endorses support for him, you know, and then you've got guys on the other side, like Artemi Panarin, who put a post out the other day, which was very uncharacteristic of Russian players supporting Alexei Navalny, his opponent, and, and, you know, catching a lot of flack from people in Russia over that because guys don't do that all the time. So you can be outspoken on either side of whatever political spectrum you live in, but you cannot consistently behave like a complete tool, racially abuse teammates, not learn a lesson and cause things like this in the dressing room and also not be one of the top superstars in the league and expect to continuously get away with this. Yeah. And that is Tony D'Angelo's story at the end of the day, which is unfortunate because I think he is talented, but it turns out he's a turd of a person. And I really yeah, I wish the best say, for him. Uh, for, for me, I, I, I'm not even going to say there's anything unfortunate about it. Uh, I hope he improve. I hope he turns his life around. I really do. Yeah. I, I really but hope at this that one time he, he's, he's dug his own grave and he can lay in it. Uh, yeah, that's all I have to say about it. Good riddance, Tony. Be better. Be better. That's it. And that's a lesson for everybody. Just be better. Yes. Myself, Ryan included. We could always be better. Of course I can be better. <laughs> of course. Some people like Brad Marchand will never be better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's got his licks, man. He's got to take his licks. Oh, so uh, next topic you wanted to dive into a little bit here was uh, New Jersey Devils become now the fourth team, fourth team, to uh, shut her down for uh, an indefinite period amount of time due to a COVID outbreak uh, amongst their team. I believe it was 10 players testing positive now, uh, as of right now on the Devils. I don't know that they tested positive and if it was a mix of players and staff, but certainly uh, much much like the capital situation, guys that were in the very least in danger of being in close contact. So not not sure, and I, I've not confirmed this. You know, it, It's Monday at 8 p.m. Uh, whether it, it's positive tests, but it's certainly um, guys that were at least in danger of being in close contact, and for safety reasons, the NHL has had to postpone their games. So, yeah, I believe you are right. It's the fourth because Dallas initially... I believe Florida early in the season as well. Vegas. Vegas. And, um, well, San Jose doesn't really count because their game was with Vegas and same with St. Louis. But Vegas had a thing, and now I believe it's the Devils. Carolina as well, if I didn't say them already. So it might be four or five. But, yeah, hey. ten Ten players on the list. Okay, so they are on the list basically saying they could potentially be positive, but they're in danger of certainly being within close contact of someone who is positive. So it's a concern. Hey, we all knew this was going to happen. It happened to the Capitals. Ovi's back, which is great. He scored. Um, well, you, I, don't know if you, I don't know if you saw, but Chara, Chara got a clapper tonight against Boston too. 
I, I and I of course I didn't see it because I'm sacrificing that to do this great show. And I'm looking uh, t- for it because if the Leafs were playing, we'd be recording tomorrow. I know, I know, and I mean I've got a side eye on it over here on a separate <laughs> screen, but I'm not really paying attention because we've had such great debate here. Um, yeah, it, it. We knew this was going to happen. It happened in baseball. It happened in football. This is the reality we're in. Um, I'm still of the belief that not all teams are going to play all 56 games. I just think that with traveling, especially in the U.S., you look at a team like Dallas. I mean, they don't care about COVID down there. It's I've already, I've already seen some contingencies to uh, perhaps look at pushing the last couple of weeks of the season, the start of the playoffs, back to accommodate rescheduling. No. No, I, I, I just like if it's if it's a game that has no consequence on the playoff standings, then I don't think they're going to be made up if they don't have to be. But yeah, it's because baseball really ran into this. Remember at the start of the baseball season, the Cardinals and the Marlins were rife with COVID. I, I believe it was the Marlins had 19 players players test positive i mean they had to bump their games around then they had to start squishing in and doing uh seven inning same day double headers i don't think you can do that with hockey where you play like uh, you know a, a period and a half double header or something squished in maybe i don't know i don't oh, think it would God, be they're conducive. talking about extending it so just pushing the, the whole if they got to push back the start of the playoffs uh, uh i don't know i don't know if that'll work out it's too early to say and generally i think the nhl has been doing a good job of handling this and anytime these situations have cropped up so far they've done a good job of handling it i mean you know the nhl's bubble you know was the best one they were unbelievable uh but they're not in a bubble absolutely for sure but they're not in a bubble now they they've I, i like that they've regionally divided up the divisions but especially in the u.s right now there's only so much you can do with these teams in places that just simply don't care that COVID is running rampant. That there's fans in the stadium in Arizona, believe it or not. There's fans down there. Like they're allowing two or three thousand fans, which and this is a much used joke. That's an average night of attendance for them, and it is. But um there are teams that you know they're not teams, I should say. There are regions in the United States that just simply don't care that COVID exists. Guys are going to get sick. There's going to be games missed. And depending on how many games are missed, yeah, maybe they're going to have to run into a situation where a team is five games lower and the standings are close enough. But if it's a situation, like you said, at the end of the year where a team has played four less games than another team, but that team in the playoff spot, you can't mathematically make it up with those four games, then they got to not even bother because they got to try and get through as many games as safely as possible and get the playoffs rocking and rolling. And, and on that note, uh, Ryan and I were talking before the show about, uh, about our fantasy hockey teams, uh, possible fantasy baseball seasons. If you are a general manager of a fantasy hockey league right now, please up your RI plus spots to make this a competitive season. Teams are losing half of their lineups for a week, and they've got no avenue. Like you're not turning around and dropping uh, Steven Stamkos because his team missed some games. You're yeah. not turning around and dropping Max Pacioretty 
to, p- to pick up a flyer. Max out your IR plus sports to make it a competitive season. If teams aren't paying attention to their lineups, that's their problem. But you got to do something to keep these this season fun and competitive. And that's my my unsolicited advice. Open up your IR spots, IR plus spots in any fantasy hockey leagues. Uh, maybe take a limit off of ads per week if you have one in place. And just give your managers the flexibility to, to have a little more fun to ice a competitive lineup because I'm in one league. We've got we've got no uh, NA spots to pick guys up and hold on to them like a taxi squad. We've got no uh, IR plus. So if a guy's out for, for COVID, you can't even put him on the uh, IR. Mm. And like I just lambasted a guy because, well, he, he had a whole bunch of players miss games this week. And I don't know. I'll take the free win, but it, it just, it's not fun. Uh, especially when it's like a cash league and, and people are yeah. putting some yeah. money on it. So take that unsolicited advice from dark guy. I run a couple of very successful leagues. I just happen to win them all every year, but that's neither here nor there. I agree. Yeah. There, unfortunately there are some apps that don't allow you after the season has started to, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Manipulate the roster structure. If you are in one, though, I believe ESPN and Yahoo will both allow you to add. And uh, I actually got an email from both of those sites saying, hey, managers and players, you know, we understand this is a weird year. You know, if you want to go in and change your roster settings, you can. And in the one league we have, in the other we haven't, but it's not a cash league. Uh, so, yeah, if you have the option... And I know running fantasy hockey and fantasy sports can be, you know, quite a task. But if you have the option, certainly do it because this year is the weirdest, you know, that we've ever seen in sports and certainly fantasy sports. So in the name of competitiveness and keeping lineups as full and healthy as possible, definitely take Jason's advice and, and try and increase your IR spots. Hey, I'm not often, I'm not always right, but I'm not often wrong. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. You're, you're bang on here. You're, you're bang on. And especially if you've got money down, even if it's 10 bucks, you want to win, you want to win that hundred bucks at the end of the year. Right. And, and the best way to do it is to have as much fair roster flexibility across the board for everybody as possible. Please, please do that. If you can. We, we, uh, one of the re- leagues I run, uh, I stepped it up big time. Uh, I, I, this is so unprofessional, but I'll be right back. <laughs> this guy's going to go show us what he did with his league. No, it, it bears credence though, right? Because especially if you're competing for money, oh, look at this, man. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a belt. A, a legit championship belt. I love it. How do I get in this league? I want that. <laughs> do you engrave the names on the side too like the winner absolutely the, the winner gets their name uh put on every year i, I want to see your name on there where is it let me see Maslowski okay. missiles Maslowski missiles Maslowski missiles. okay yeah so three of six <laughs> that's pretty good man that's um, pretty, pretty I'm, uh, good. I'm, I'm two years i'm two years behind but uh they're both Maslowski missiles as well beautiful okay so he's got four of eight then or four of nine that's pretty darn impressive yeah i love fantasy sports and yeah this year and especially with baseball coming up which is a whole other cookie jar to dig into what's going on with baseball right now are they going to start on time the league's got a deal on the table the players rejected it they don't like it um 
especially with fantasy baseball, which is about as complex of a fantasy sport to play as there is. You got to try managers to make sure that there's some roster flexibility to deal with COVID. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So going back into the hockey world here, there was one more topic I wanted to dive into before we, uh, Sure. Announce the winner of the best seat in the house. I'm so excited. Chair. Uh, before we get to that, uh, I wanted to kind of dive into a, a little bit of, you know, some other disgruntled players in the NHL right now. And, you know, the lack of communication that seems to be happening between between players. And actually, it's in, in both instances, it's the exact same agent, uh, Darren Ferris represents Victor Mete of the Montreal Canadiens, who I believe after everything that has happened, uh, coincidentally penciled into the lineup tonight for Montreal. Uh, And Sam Bennett over in Calgary. Uh, Reports coming out over the last couple days that both both players have requested uh, to be traded from their respective teams. Both respective general managers have denied it. And in both incidences, the... (laughs) Player uh, agent Darren Ferris has confirmed that they actually made these requests. So a little, a little confusing to see what's happening here, um, and it's a little, little confusing that it's both the the same agent involved. Uh, having the opportunity to have met uh, Victor Mete, I can say nothing but great things about him. He's a great kid, uh, and as far as I'm concerned, for all intents and purposes, deserves to be in that lineup. Uh, little, I don't know what you make of it, uh, on your end, on your end, Ryan, but, uh, for me, I'm just a little, little weird that both GMs are claiming it never happened, but the agent is saying, yeah, we, we requested a trade. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, I make, I make, what I make of it is that general managers, you know, especially with a player that's a little disgruntled and clearly wants to change the scenery, they don't want to lose any leverage because if, other teams know that the player wants out, they can try and come in and lowball you and you're basically left with a lesser offer. Let's be honest here though. Uh, Victor Mete, I still think has a decent ceiling. I think at best he could probably be a four. Um, I don't think he's a top pair defenseman whatsoever, but I certainly think that he could play in a very large majority of top sixes in this league, certainly as a, Solid five or six. The kid can skate. He's a decent passer. Uh, he's not very big, and I don't know that he defends super great necessarily, but it depends who you partner him with, right? I mean, I bet oh, he'd yeah. probably look pretty good next to Shea Weber, you know, for instance, but I definitely think there's merit to his game, and he should be an NHL player, and if he's not going to get that opportunity in Montreal. He absolutely has the right to ask to be traded. Mark Bergevin denies the rumors, and we all know that when Mark Bergevin denies trade rumors, that player death. gets traded immediately. <laughs> so, kiss of death. If Bergevin, so he will be gone. He's not trading you. Pack your bags because it's it's only a matter of time. I am never trading. I am never trading PK Subban. Yeah, a week I later. I am never, never trading Miguel Sergachev. That's crazy talk. God. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's strange, right? And and we brought this team up with D'Angelo. I mean, how quickly was Pierre Dorian on the phone asking about Victor Mete? He looked pretty darn good in that young Sens up-and-coming lineup with Shabbat 
and you th- you throw Mete in there and the young kid uh, Eric Brandstrom that they got in the Vegas trade for Mark Stone, like Mete would probably fit in pretty nicely there, wouldn't he? Um, there are a number of teams that could use a good young puck moving defenseman like that. The Anaheim Ducks could certainly use a guy like that. Uh, New Jersey could use another guy like that. There's a ton of teams that Victor Mete would fit in on. Sam Bennett is an odd case to me, eh? Like, it's really unfortunate. Like, he's become a solid NHL player, but this is a kid that was drafted, I believe, fourth overall, and it just hasn't clicked for him. Like, he was a guy that was a superstar player for Kingston in uh, in the OHL, coincidentally with Doug Gilmore as his GM, and he wears 93 because Gilmore was his favorite player. Um, it just hasn't clicked for him in that role in the NHL. I still think he's a good NHL player and he could be a solid third line player, uh, for a lot of teams. Uh, he's proven that he can kill penalties decently. Well, he can skate, he can forecheck. the offense. Isn't there like Calgary thought it would be when they picked him at that high, high draft slot, but he's a guy that, you know, warrants, a look from a lot of teams. What is he worth? That's hard to say. Yeah, but well, I mean, this, you know, when when I'm looking at it, obviously, you, you don't want to put uh, too much value in a small sample size. But uh, while Sam Bennett hasn't been, you know, the difference maker, world breaker that that they thought they were getting when they drafted him so high in the first round, uh, for all intents and purposes, he has been. Uh, playoff performer for Calgary. Like when, when he scored four goals in a playoff game for them, did he not like pretty recently when it came down to crunch crunch time, like he's got 19 points and 30 playoff games for, for Calgary and uh, has been a guy that they can rely on. Uh, I I don't know. I I don't, I don't want to say he hasn't been given the full opportunity that maybe he deserved, uh, because you have to earn that opportunity as well. But I just kind of think that I, I feel that, that he, he was maybe not given the, the support right out the gate. Like he came out, didn't score uh, 30 goals in his first season, and it's like they kind of, to a certain extent, kind of gave up on him ever being that. You know what I mean? Like if that makes sense to you? No, like I – yep. Like he didn't come out and do it right away, and – they just kind of said, okay, well, he's a bust and we're, I guess he's a third line player. It's like they, it's like they made that decision without ever really giving him a full crack at it. It's hard to say because I think he's probably an example of a guy that wasn't ready to play in the NHL right away, but he was too good for junior. Um, So they didn't want to send him back to junior because we all know as the rules are that if you are of a certain age, you can't get sent to the AHL. The NHL and, and the CHL have an agreement there. You can't send, I believe it's anyone under 20, you can't send to the AHL. But he was too good for junior, and they didn't want to send him to the AHL, or, or back to junior, and so they thought, well, we can't send him to the AHL, so we'll just keep him here and see how he does. And, yeah, he didn't hit the floor running offensively, but he, like you said, good playoff performer. He can skate really, really well. He's a good four-checker. I think you know he could potentially max out and be on a team's 
second power play, maybe a second line on some teams and be that grinder in the corner. Um, you know, I think back to guys like Pascal Dupuis that played with Sidney Crosby. If he goes to a team with a really good centerman, maybe he can become that type of lunch pail guy that goes in the corner and could potentially pile up 40 or 50 points playing with a really high-end center. You never know. He's got the skating ability, certainly. Like, he, he was a really, really quality junior player. Like, I thought he was going to be, uh, you know, a star maybe not a superstar but i certainly thought that he would be a 60 70 point nhl player it hasn't happened for him he's still young enough that he deserves an opportunity to play in the league consistently and he will um i think he will be traded uh it's just kind of a question of where he ends up going i mean this is rare but maybe maybe. Edmonton, edmonton would love him wouldn't they Probably, but maybe maybe Mr. Ferris was setting up the trade for, for his guys himself. Maybe. Uh, Sam Bennett wants out of Calgary, and Mete wants out of Montreal, so... Uh, <laughs> maybe. Maybe. You never know. Well, all I know is both both young guys are, are I think, still have a lot of hockey left in them. Oh, uh, yeah, like for I said, sure. I found it funny that that Montreal uh, immediately got Mete into the lineup tonight. Uh, so whether that was to showcase him for a trade that I think so. Make. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that, that's absolutely what it is. He'll be traded within two weeks for sure. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he was traded by the end of this week. He'll play in a few games, get 17, 18 minutes, and somebody will pick him up. Well, and to be clear about this, uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, calling out Darren Ferris. I think he's a, a very good agent. He does no. well for his players. Uh, just very, very strange that within uh, such a quick time frame of a couple days, it's two players. Uh, it, it's like I said, I, you know, half, half uh, tongue in cheek, but it's almost like he was setting up the trade for his guys himself. Time will tell. It'll be very interesting if. They end up turning around, and if that trade gets made, boy, the show will look pretty darn smart. Mete for Bennett, that, that'd be very interesting. <laughs> Speaking of which, right, like we've hit some home runs recently. You called the Bucks winning, and then last week, I believe it was, what did I say about the Toronto Blue Jays and who they should go and acquire to potentially push Bo Bichette at shortstop and in the very least play some good second base? Marcus Simeon, my boy from Oakland, I am crushed that he is not an Oakland athletic anymore, but I'm fired up that he's going to sign with this young Blue Jays team. Marcus Semyon is going to bring so many great things to the Blue Jays. Jays fans, man, this lineup is disgusting. They could use another left-handed bat for sure. They really need that, and they need to upgrade their pitching staff. Absolutely. But holy cow, it is not going to be fun for teams to pitch against this lineup. You had Semyon and Springer. Semyon, remember, two years ago was an AL MVP finalist. This guy has significantly improved his defense. If he plays at second and they leave Bichette at shortstop, which they said, Mark Shapiro said this week, they are going to give Bo every opportunity this year to prove he belongs at short. If he doesn't and they need to move him to second, Marcus Simeon's a damn good shortstop. And whether he's playing short or second or even potentially third, this guy is flexible. A great, great pickup, a great person. Did a lot of great things for the community in Oakland in terms of charity work. The Jays signed an A-plus player, 
and an A-plus human being, and I called it. I got to toot my own horn just a little bit. Absolutely, and, and that, that transpired within hours of our show wrapping up. It like, did. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even days or weeks later. It, it was hours. <laughs> I had a little chuckle to myself on the couch and a couple of my friends who watched the show uh, and we appreciate all of our viewers uh, texted me and said, were you on the phone with Shapiro or <laughs> no, I was not. I'm not that big of a deal at all, but uh, I did find it funny. I got to toot my horn just a little, just well, a little. for me, for me, there's a, uh, you know, there, there had been talk about Trevor Bauer where the Blue Jays would go after him and, and potentially what he's looking for on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's uh, two, two pitchers, and, and I could be very wrong. I actually haven't looked at, at any baseball news in the last couple of days. It's just been uh, too busy. But as far as I can see, there's two guys out there right now that you could probably get for the same price as a Trevor Bauer, uh, if not a whole lot less, that solidify this lineup. And if they are still available, uh, James Paxton and, and Taiwan Walker. Uh, yep, both still available. James Paxton would be a bit of a reclamation project because of the injuries. But when this guy's healthy, man, he can really throw. I mean, absolutely velocity. So, but he like he he would imp- He's better than guys they have for listen, sure. He, a couple two weeks ago, three weeks ago, he was hitting ninety four uh, on the radar gun in front of twenty major league baseball scouts. So yeah. Well, while a reclamation project, it's not quite like uh, trying to take Tony D'Angelo and turn him into a decent human being. <laughs> no, it's not that. I, I think Paxton, the only thing that would scare you is the injuries. If they could yeah. get him on like a one-year deal yeah. and, and see what he brings and, and then give Nate Pearson that extra bit of time to maybe get some bullpen session. Um, and Taiwan Walker was like a great fit here for the yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, a very talented pitcher in his own right. He's not, he's not, you know, your, your number one ace, although when he was drafted, he had the potential to do that. If he's your 3-4, you're pretty happy, I Absolutely. think. Absolutely. So you, there's two guys that are going to be available that aren't going to eat into a whole lot of uh, your luxury ta- tax space that you still have left. For sure. You've just arguably turned the Blue Jays into a legit contender. Uh, yeah. With all the work they've already done to the bullpen, and obviously, you know, not, <laughs> you, you said it, uh, George Springer batting leadoff. You're looking at what, Bo Bichette possibly in the two-hole. <laughs> uh, Vladdy at, at, at possibly three. And then you could easily have Semyon hitting cleanup. Absolutely, and that's where I was going to go. Which he did, which he did a lot in Oakland, and he would actually lead off against left-handers. And he's got the power to do it. Totally, Uh, totally. I I find, you know, uh, argument could be be made that that maybe you put Vladdy as your uh, as your cleanup guy, but I don't know. Uh, I I think I think he's better suited uh, sitting there at number three. That's usually where you put your best hitter. I'd rather see him at third. I'd rather see him third. Yeah, but. You're looking at, a, at a, a top four of the batting order that could go toe-to-toe with any team in the league. Absolutely. And you, Absolutely. Still, haven't, you still haven't even mentioned guys like Teoscar Hernandez. Who was amazing last year. We have oh, 16, for, uh, 16 home while. runs. I think he's been a, a little underrated. For, his bat's been very underrated. Agreed. Uh, for, since he came into the league, really. Agreed. Uh, it took him a little while to get going, but uh, he's been a guy that uh, I've drafted late rounds of fantasy baseball, and he's been pure gold for me because 
you know, a lot of people don't even know who he is. Yeah, he, he's been a big part. And then, I mean, Randall Gretchik, who runs hot and cold, but when he's hot, boy, he's hot. I mean, if he's your six seven guy, like the Jays, they got a lot of toys to play with here. <laughs> and it's it's fun. It's so much fun. If they can get a Paxton or, geez, if they could even swing at a guy like an Odorizzi maybe, like there are so many options out there. And let's not forget – they got to make a trade here because they have way too many outfielders. You know, you add, you add Springer. Is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. still going to be on this team? I, I don't know. Like, they have to make a trade, right? They already acquire Steven Matz from the Mets, who is still young enough to potentially have a decent ceiling as a starter. High velocity as well, and he's got a good breaking ball. I really like his, uh, his changeup. I think that he can, uh, you know, really, um, you know, slow down a lot of hitters with that changeup. And if he can mix it in with that fastball, I think that he could potentially be a guy that over exceeds expectations that he wasn't able to hit with the Mets. Uh, they could potentially still end up acquiring a pitcher via trade because they've got too many outfielders. So there is more to come with the Jays. There's more to come. I agree. And on that note, it's giveaway time. It's time. This is exciting, man. Somebody is going to be winning a custom jersey chair valued at $799 plus tax. Uh, that's a, not, not a... It's not a bad giveaway. Not a bad <laughs> giveaway. Someone's like, about to have a pretty good Monday. Somebody is about to have a pretty good Monday. So what I'm going to do here is uh, everybody that has entered, uh, both on Instagram and, and Twitter... Um, has been entered into a randomizer here. Um, I'm going to click the randomization. It usually takes a minute or two. So what I'm going to do while this is randomizing the list and, and spitting out our winner is I'm going to give you, uh, and I think I'm going to start doing this every week, uh, three fantasy hockey players to grab or look at grabbing uh, off the waiver wire to help you win your win your league because uh, nice. I win a lot of leagues. So I when Monday all the around, evidence. I've already made my pickups in my leagues right now for for the guys that I'm about to mention. So I'm not giving anything away here. Uh, I've been always been reluctant to do a fantasy show because I know I know my friends that I play against would listen to the show just to get my fantasy info. <laughs> it's a tough sword to dance on, isn't it? <laughs> so We've got the randomizer going, and uh, I'm going to give you three picks right now for your fantasy hockey lineups to, to keep an eye on. Um, first and foremost, the guy that should be on, on everybody's radar right now that was just called up to the Los Angeles Kings taxi squad, Arthur Kaliev. Um, especially if you're in a dynasty league, this kid yeah. is going to light it up. The minute he gets a chance to get in that lineup, starts getting some power play time, uh, if you watched him at, at, at all in the World Juniors, uh, the kid's got a rocket. He can score. He's got a nose from the net. He's a guy that you're going to be able to get off your, your waiver wire right now. It's going to cost you nothing, uh, especially if you have an NA slot you can slide him into while you wait for him. But even at not, if you are in a dynasty or a keeper league, this is a guy worth stashing on your bench uh, and, and dropping somebody that you got maybe just for hits or blocks or something like that. This is a, this is a guy that could be a game changer. Also on that note, same deal, Cole Perfetti was called up to the taxi squad. Uh, Winnipeg Jets are looking to get this kid into the lineup. 
once again, unless you've been living under a rock, Cole Perfetti is a guy that's going to come in and potentially be a uh, massive contributing force right off the get-go for uh, the Winnipeg Jets. So once again, a guy that you want to stash on your bench, uh, perhaps if uh, you're you're in a keeper or dynasty league. And last one, I can't believe how how under-owned he is, even though he had a, a little bit of a rough go last year. Uh, newly back in the Edmonton Oilers lineup, James Neal. This guy is going to rack up power play points. He's going to rack up goals. Uh, we've already seen uh, his production in his first couple of games from coming back. Uh, if you've got a need for scoring, uh, take a flyer on, on James Neal because uh, he's a guy that could turn around and win you your, win you your championship for you. Absolutely. And if he gets hot, he can take off. We've seen that before. He is not out of gas yet. Not at all. And well, sir. It looks like, yeah, it's, it, oh, <laughs> oh, oh boy. Um, I, I know, I know this uh, Twitter handle right off the bat. <laughs> There's a good possibility I might be causing a domestic because there's only one chair available and two diehard sports fans in the house. Uh-oh. Um, but I'm, I'm kind of happy it, it was her name because uh, she recently got married to the love of her life. So this is a nice little uh, uh, post-wedding gift. But uh, Danny D212, um, congratulations. Uh, you've won yourself a custom jersey chair from Best Seat in the House. I will be contacting you uh, with the details, and uh, I'm gonna play with I'm gonna play with everybody who didn't tune in right now, because uh, everybody's gonna ask after the show who won, who won. I'll be like, what? You didn't tune into the show? Well, we're not putting an announcement out there. You had to have tuned into the show. It might have been you. You gotta tune in, man. <laughs> you gotta tune in. Congrats, Danny. Uh, obviously, you're somewhat familiar with this person on Twitter, Dark Guy. What team is gonna be going on this chair? What was that? What team is going to be going on this chair? Oh, it's going to be a Toronto Maple Leafs chair through and through. Oh, and so I'm sure you're very happy. Good for you. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey. If, if, it would have, if it would have been somebody that had, like, Brad Marchand as their uh, avatar picture. Could you imagine? <laughs> uh, it, there might have been a glitch in the system, and it would have had to be – the draw would have had to have been redone. Well, no, because unlike Brad Marchand, we have integrity. We have integrity. We have integrity at the Smoke Show. Congrats, Danny. Uh, thanks to everybody for playing. We'll, we'll try and do a few more of these as well, you know, and we really appreciate everybody tuning in, and hopefully you enjoy the show and, and you enjoyed the uh, anxious wait to hear your name potentially. So congratulations. Absolutely, and a huge thank you to Bessie in the House for partnering up with the Smoke Show here on the FHN Network. Uh, so kind and generous of you guys. Uh, we appreciate all the support from them as well. And, but that's going to be all for uh, this week's episode of, of The Smoke Show. A uh, huge thank you to the FHN Network for, for having us on. A uh, huge thank you to Dry County for uh, allowing us to use their awesome uh, music for our opening credits. A uh, huge thank you to, to Ryan, my, my co-host, as always. And uh, last but not least, uh, thank you to our expert analysis from uh, yours truly, Darka. <laughs> yeah, th- yeah, that that's very interesting. Thank you to me as well. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Like uh, we said, we have integrity here. <laughs> uh, well, until next week, everybody. Just remember, where there's smoke, there's, there's fire. fire.
This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.